you're an early stage Web3 founder, apply to our award-winning accelerator program, Basecamp at outlierventures.io slash Basecamp. We write your first $50,000 check and give you access to 200 mentors, including many of the leading Web3 founders, and a network of 1,000 of the world's leading investors and exchanges. We've helped over 30 startups from 15 countries from all around the world, raise $130 million in growth funding, and can help you fast-track product market fit and, where relevant, the launch of your token economy. So today, I'm really happy to welcome on the show co-founder and CEO of Audius, Raniel Rumberg. Welcome, Raniel. Excited to be here. So um, really excited to talk to you today. I know you're this is coming off the back of some really big news. Um, and actually, you know, music and the audio economy generally is something we've only really lightly touched upon so far. And of course, is a growing area of interest in the context of NFTs and, and blockchain. So I would describe Audius based on all the kind of marketing collateral and stuff as giving everyone the freedom to distribute, monetize and stream unstoppable audio. Um, and hopefully we're going to kind of break down, you know, what that means and exactly how it, it's realized on the Audius platform or network. Um, and there's several reasons why I've got you on the show. So as I said, you know, just understanding NFTs in the context of the creator economy and audio media. Uh, it's a super fascinating area. As I said, you have a pretty big partnership, probably as big a partnership as um one could imagine uh, with TikTok. So really excited to hear about what, um, how that came about and what you're hoping to, to achieve through that partnership. Um, and also you've got quite an interesting background. You know, you very humbly off air said you didn't think um, you had as interesting uh, origin stories of the founders, but actually, um, you know, you've done some really interesting things at Kleiner Perkins, which is a very well-established VC in the space, you multi-time founder, co-founder, not just generally, but in the context of uh, crypto, and of course, you're a Stanford alum. So as I said, you uh, co-founded Kleiner Perkins Early Stage Seed Fund. So you're used to operating, um, I guess, right at the edge of uncertainty and emergent trends, something I'm familiar with, um, with what I do here at Outlier. Um, and you led a lot of their investments into areas like blockchain and AI, I imagine both convergent technologies in the context of Audius, um, including uh, Lightning Labs. And um, you also co-founded a Bitcoin peer-to-peer -peer payment company called um, Backslash. So hopefully I haven't ruined it and done it all for you, but it'd be <laughs> great to hear um, your origin story, how you, you know, got into the world of Web3 or crypto, however you refer to it, and then ultimately what led you. And I'd like to understand a little bit more about that process at Kleiner and, and getting them comfortable with doing investments in, in the blockchain space. And then ultimately, um, of course, what brought you to co-found Audius? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start by saying I, I think you can kind of broadly categorize or, or bucket most folks um, in, in kind of the crypto ecosystem in a few different ways. I, I definitely see myself being more the kind of builder archetype, um, or at least, you know, working as other archetypes and whatnot, I, I didn't quite enjoy as much. Um, but, you know, kind of going all, all the way back to, you know, when I, I first started to, like, 
dabble with um, technology and, and whatnot, um, I, I've always been, or, or sort of, you know, with with respect to my professional work, always been uh, a software engineer and approached things somewhat from from that mindset. So, uh, uh, went to school and studied that during school. Interned with a number of companies um, after school. Uh, uh, was kind of the technical co-founder of uh, that Bitcoin peer-to-peer uh, payment product that you mentioned. Um, and you know, with respect to Audius, I, I still kind of uh, uh, work on a lot of the um, engineering side of things as well. So, I think. You you know, that context is, is sort of what I approach most things from. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, you know, really how I got my start in crypto was from the direction of distributed systems. So I was uh, in, in college from 2011 to 2014. Um, and in 2011, I, I started to get really interested in um, kind of distributed system stuff. I worked at um, this this little company at the time called AeroFS that was kind of like a... Um, Think of it like a decentralized um, Dropbox was was sort of their uh, uh, their goal. Um, this was you know way before like crypto was was ever a thing. But it was I think you know if you and I share uh, some files with one another um, in a peer to peer manner, you know we can uh, basically collaborate on a folder together. So yeah, that's that's kind of you know. It naturally led me to crypto, um, and and I first got excited about crypto because I was like, "What a great way to uh, earn some beer money!" And and there was a little group of friends and and I in in 2012 2013 um, that uh, started a, a little mining operation in school, and we're mining. Uh, you know, even by then, Bitcoin was not profitable to mine anymore, but we we're mining uh, these other S-crypt uh, coins like Dogecoin and Litecoin and, and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, that naturally led me to like wanting to understand what the tech was more. And yeah, I don't know. I just uh, uh, fell in love with the space and and wanted to work on things in it and wanted to work around it. And uh, in, in 2013 and 2014, there weren't too many ways to uh, to do that. So, um, so yeah, started a, a Bitcoin peer-to-peer payment company as, as you mentioned. Mentioned uh, with with a good friend of mine from that same kind of mining friend group, um, and uh, you can think of it like a Venmo for Bitcoin. Um, we were around in in late. Um uh, 2014 and 2015, um, early 2015. So, uh, we never figured out how to get like critical mass of, uh, of users on that. I think at our peak, we were like 25,000 monthlies or, or so. We just couldn't figure out how to grow past that. And what we began to realize talking to our users was, uh, one, uh, many of our users wanted to receive Bitcoin, but no one wanted to send it. Right. Uh, so if no one wants to spend things in your marketplace, you probably have a broken marketplace, uh, uh, which, you know, I we should have realized earlier. But, um, you know, I think the mentality we approached that from was just the, you know, this would be a cool thing to build. So let's build it and see if people would want it. And, uh, you know, that's you shouldn't build something because it's cool. Uh, uh, I guess it's usually not a good way to uh, to go about things. But. Good lesson. Um, and then, yeah, as, as you mentioned, found my way to Kleiner Perkins after that. Um, and I was covering crypto and uh, uh, kind of computer vision, uh, uh, things within AI was was where I spent most of my time. And um, yeah, it was, it was a great, I think, chance to like lift myself out of that mindset of, uh, you know, being the builder um, and, and understand a little bit more about kind of, you know, the the 
sort of analytical side of, of uh, uh, how you kind of think about markets, how you think about, um, oper- you know, the size of an opportunity, all that sort of stuff, you know, uh, our our approach with uh, backslash the Venmo for Bitcoin thing was just like, oh, it, you know, we could build this. So let's build this. Uh, we never even once thought about, you know, would other people care about this or uh, uh, anything like that? So, um, yeah, it was just a good chance to do that. But I kind of missed building stuff. And uh, that's what ultimately led me to leave. And then uh, that that led to Audius. Um, so that brings us up to like early 2018 is is when Audius got going. Right. And um, of course, the world, uh, the crypto world looks very different now than it, than it did back then. And actually, 18 was a really interesting moment to be birthing a crypto company, of course, depending upon which which part of 18. Um, but like maybe before we get there, how, how did you find your co-founder? Yeah, so uh, my my co-founder at Audius, uh, Forrest Browning, he and I were were part of that uh, uh, kind of mining friend group in college. So we uh, had you know worked on uh, uh, lots of little projects together over like a, I guess seven year, eight year time span before we you know co-founded Audius together. Um, but yeah, he and I actually met at like this summer camp when we were in high school, and then we both ended up going to Stanford also. So we like reconnected there and. Um, you know, started started hanging out. Uh, we were also both very into dance music, um, and and that's kind of ultimately what led us to to stumbling upon this problem around uh, around Audius. But um, but yeah, we we kind of you know hit a lot of dance shows together um, in between. You know, doing like our our little computer science homework and and stuff together as well. Interesting. Now, of course, um, there's a lot about, I guess. Things like BitTorrent, LimeWire, Napster, that is kind of both a precursor to um, what we what we've seen in crypto, and also in some ways analogous. Um, and you know this kind of concept about what, how do you build a business in an environment like that? How does it engage with regulators um, and regulation? Um, what is it about the I'm going to call it the audio economy. I know you know 90% of what you do is is music. I'm assure, I'm assuming it's extendable to or transferable into other parts of the audio economy, including podcasting. But what is it that's broken about that economy today? And and do you agree that there's some things that are analogous to to how things played out with Napster and then? Um, iTunes that, that could could play out here in the context of blockchain music. Yeah, it can can talk through kind of both um, both sides of that. I think you know what Napster, LimeWire, all those things kind of uh, uh, demonstrated was that um, it's kind of from a technical perspective, it's possible to distribute content um, in this manner. I think uh, what they you know so obviously in retrospect, of course, got wrong was um, you know the way that they kind of behaved towards and, and treated uh, uh, the rights of the folks who own large catalogs of music, right? Um, but I, I think the, you know, what we were able to take away from, you know, understanding those experiences is that, like, our, our, our thesis around Audius was that, like, decentralization um, should be possible while rights still are respected. Um, and uh, uh, there's kind of a way that, 
Um, you know, this works in Audius where node operators are responsible for the content that they host in the network and they actually, um, uh, uh, you know, offer a mechanism by which, you know, folks can submit uh, these DMCA takedown notices and whatnot. So it, it's possible for uh, uh, every node operator on Audius to stay kind of in compliance with uh, all of their local laws and, and regulation um, while still being decentralized, right? And, and we really see the value around decentralized centralization here being that artists and fans get to directly interact with one another with no intermediaries, right? Like Audius, the company isn't able to take away someone's account, for example, or uh, we're, we're not able to change the rules of our API the way that when SoundCloud decided they didn't want to run an API anymore, they just turned it off, right? And said, well, you know, sucks, uh, sucks to have built a business on this because, you know, we just took away your business overnight, right? Um, and there were all these really cool tools that people had built to cross-pollinate following on, on SoundCloud with other places that just died be, because of that, right? So um, that was really what inspired us to, to work on Audius. We felt that this... Um, kind of like means of audio distribution was so fundamentally important to to the business of being an artist that um, it, it should be owned and controlled by by the artist, right? In in this kind of Marxist uh, uh, sense, like, you know, the, the workers should own their means of production. Um, we felt that, you know, it, it in in uh, the context of music, that was what was so so broken um, uh, about about things like at, at their core. Um, there are a lot of downstream symptoms of that, right? That I can uh, sit here and rattle off. Like uh, uh, artists earn twelve percent of uh, what the total music industry generates in revenue. Um, given that artists are, you know, the the reason that the whole industry exists, that's like pretty ridiculous to think about. Um, you know, comparison. Uh, 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 that I like to, to point to is NBA players uh, in, in the, uh, you know, the U.S. basketball league uh, earn about 55% of uh, the league's total revenue. So, um, you know, when when you see these talent driven industries sort of, you know, should be somewhat comparable in terms of how much they earn, artists just capture like nothing uh, uh, from the broader music industry. And um yeah, I, I do think that's a symptom of, of this greater issue, but the issue being that the the kind of distribution tool chain and uh, the audience access to audience in in music is completely controlled by um, this centralized network of of distributors of of streaming services of uh, you know labels everyone right and and uh, I don't think any of those people did anything wrong to to get us to this state. It was just you know. This was created for a different time, right? Um, uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago, if you wanted to publish a record, um, you needed a factory to make the record. You needed a distribution network, a physical distribution network of trucks and, you know, ships and containers and, you know, uh, uh, your tower records and Best Buy and whatever had to be on the other end to actually place that in retail. Everyone needed their margins. Like it makes sense, but for the margins or, or for the amount that artists capture to have stayed the same through the digitization of all distribution where you know marginal cost of distribution is is now zero um is is pretty ridiculous right on on the face of it so i think that's that's where um you know, there's this oft-repeated saying like "your your margin is my opportunity." Um, in in music, uh, there's a lot of margin going to people who aren't necessarily adding a, a commensurate amount of value to the supply chain. 
Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I, I kind of really subscribe to this idea that especially with NFTs now, we can kind of have this direct to creator uh, system. And as you say, the creator themselves can control the means of production, uh, distribution, but also financialization um, of that relationship. And, you know, I think what's interesting with music, I think is, is, is the example I use all the time to illustrate how the web fundamentally, the web as it is today or the way that it's evolved has fundamentally trained us to think of anything as digital as free. Um, that somehow the minute it becomes digital, you know, it's just to be consumed, whether that's streaming for the price of a coffee each month. Um, and of course, that's decimated industries like the music industry. Um, I guess you could argue to the consumer, it's been a great benefit. Um, but clearly, that's kind of out of balance. And I think the other point that you mentioned around deplatforming, I think most people think of deplatforming in the context of uh, the user or the creator, but actually, um, you know, removing or revoking APIs um, directly deplatforms the developer ecosystem that you want to kind of grow around your platform. So I think these are all kind of fascinating themes. So it'd be good to understand a little bit more about Audius. Like, um, what is Audius? You know, how does it function as a as a a platform as a network do you refer refer to it as a platform or do you think of it as a, as a network yeah we we like to call it a network um and uh, uh just because it's uh, uh, a platform is is a little bit uh hard to pin down but at least historically what people have thought of platforms as is like a you know, a Facebook or, or something like that, right? Where there are developers building atop a centralized uh, entity kind of in, in the center. Um, but uh, yeah, at a, at a super high level, Audius is a digital streaming service that connects fans directly with artists and exclusive new music. Um, there's a, a bit to unpack there, but we see that direct piece of, of the equation, um, you know, being kind of the most important differentiator here and, and the way that Audius achieves that, right, is by being fully decentralized. So um, there's a, a kind of a, a network of artists, fans, and uh, node operators uh, that, that together are able to operate this streaming service as like a cooperative or, or a collective of sorts, um, you know, with our company's role in, in that basically being to to kind of steward uh, uh, that growth and help support the community however we can, right? So, um, so it's, yeah, it's a very different kind of take, I guess, uh, uh, on, you know, what, what does a like consumer product look like. Um, but you know, for everyone listening, you're, you're probably on crypto already. There's, there's nothing new there. Um, you know, with respect to how most projects are, are structured. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a very interesting kind of shift. I think that we're going to see across, uh, many areas of consumer products, but obviously, you know, our, our spot is, is in, uh, in music streaming. So yeah, the, the, the one-liner I'll often give to artists and, and folks in the music industry to explain um, Audius is, is as a de decentralized SoundCloud. Um, so it's not quite a perfect analogy, but uh, those two words, it, you know, capture most of, of, you know, what we do and, and how we think about things. Um, and so is, is Audius directly comparable to an equivalent streaming service? What is fundamentally... 
different about it? And are there any kind of trade-offs in being more decentralized? Does that make you somehow less performant as a comparable service? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at and, and use Audius as a artist or as a fan, um, you know, we we've gone to to great lengths to try to make that experience as as fluid and and straightforward as as possible. Um, you know, to a point that like many of our artists don't even realize that there's any crypto anything here, right? Like uh, the way we market and and talk about Audius is is just uh, uh, you know talking about the benefits that it can provide, um, not the technology stack that it's built on, right? Because um, ultimately, artists don't care if it's decentralized, right? What they care about is that they get uh, uh, better access to their fans, more data about their fans, uh, the ability to share as much content as as they want, um, you know, for for free, um, all of those sort of benefits uh, that we're able to provide because we're decentralized and, and community owned and operated, I think are, are the things that like, um, you know, that, that matter the most to, uh, to people. Understood. And, um, and are the economics different? How, how do they, uh, are they, they're more balanced to the creator, I assume? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the way Audius is set up, there are kind of two sides of the economics. One is by, contributing content and by uh, doing work that is is useful for the broader network and, and community, um, you have the opportunity to earn more uh, ownership of, of the network through the tokens that you can earn, right? Um, so, so you, you uh, get to uh, uh, grow the amount of control you have in, in the network um, via that, but then you also uh, have the ability to charge fans uh, directly to consume content. So uh, uh, there's a lot more stuff that needs to be rolled out still and that our, our community is hard at work on around uh, uh, the monetization side of Audius, but we don't really see um, that kind of network's ongoing distribution of tokens as as monetization per se, right? Um, so that's that's kind of it's it's in, the purpose behind it is uh, uh, is different from that. But um, when uh, uh, artists are are able to charge fans directly for um, access to uh, uh, you know a specific track or maybe a selection of tracks or or things of that nature. Um, they would, uh, you know, the reason I, I speak about that vaguely is that, uh, you know, what at its at its most primitive level, what Audius provides um, those artists is the ability to kind of gate access to content on a you know piece of content basis on a you know basically any set of conditions they want to define to allow someone to unlock a piece of content um can can be defined so uh, uh the simplest form of that would be something like you know you you pay uh, uh you pay a dollar every time you play a, a track um there are some artists in our community that are you know planning to charge like a hundred dollars every time someone listens to to a track uh but you know no fan may listen to it, right? Uh, it is a free market. So I think that's where we want to give that pricing power and, and the control of how content gets accessed back to uh, to artists. And, and where things have gotten really cool there is, is you know, folks wanting to do, we've heard some crazy, crazy things like uh, someone wants to make a piece of content only uh, listenable above a certain altitude uh, such that, you know, you'd have to be in a plane to, to be able to play back the uh, content. Now uh, I, I don't even want to begin to unpack like what, 
oracle source of information would tell you is is you know this this person in a plane right now uh uh but uh you know if you could find some good programmatic input for that you know the 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 you know, the audience would let you set a rule like that. So uh, I think that's, you know, that's where things get really cool. Um, but how this all kind of ties together is uh, artists charging, uh, uh, charging fans uh, as a, as a condition for unlock, whether that's charging them a subscription to get access to like some section of catalog that the broader world doesn't, or whether it's um, uh, charging, uh, uh, you know, on a track by track basis, 10% of all of those payments get distributed to folks staking the token. Um, so the way you can stake the, the token is to run a node, uh, which helps to host content, index metadata, do things like that. Um, uh, so that's kind of of how the the network is is able to be fully decentralized is there are these uh, uh, tens or, or now hundreds of, of nodes in the community that host content and, and do these things, um, but uh, the way those nodes monetize is through that fee stream that that they can earn in exchange for the work they do for the network. So um, so yeah, our company's role there like we don't actually make any money, right? Like we we exist to um uh to to make open source contributions to this community alongside of uh, uh a number of other folks that have that have begun to to do that as well um and you know we we kind of serve at the pleasure of the community in in that way right so if it, at some point in the future um the community feels that we're not we're not doing a good job or or whatever um they would you know be able to to uh stop allocating us grant money or or whatever else interesting I mean, I really like that idea of it being a free market in terms of ultimately it will be the users, and in particular the creators, that will achieve emergent models because they can experiment like um, relatively freely, I imagine. Um, and that's both in terms of how they charge, um, but potentially also the types of assets. Like, so... I mean, one of the things I really like about NFTs, and it'd be interesting to see, you know, to, to understand how, how you're kind of leveraging um, NFTs as a, as a mechanism or as, a, as kind of an asset class is, um, especially in an audio context, I kind of see them as a potential digital LP. You know, for the first time, you would want to collect um, a piece of digital music in the same way that you'd want to, you know, collect a physical LP. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with uh, your take there. And I, I think that example is spot on. Um, uh, uh, you know, music, as you alluded to earlier in, in our conversation, um, the consumer behavior that you know, we in, in tech have, have trained in, uh, in, in the kind of broader music listening community is that music is free. And uh, uh, people kind of treat it with uh, uh, the level of respect that you would expect from from things that are free, right? Um, uh, uh, and I, I think what we're going to be evolving towards, we already are evolving towards uh, with respect to artists' business models are, are that artists do behave as though, uh, you know, a large portion of their catalog is, is free. It's effectively marketing 
to source uh, people into um, their kind of following and, and fandom, and then ultimately monetize that following and fandom in more indirect ways. So merch, uh, uh, concerts, uh, things like that. I think NFTs, uh, uh, to your point, are like the most interesting kind of form of, of digital merch that we've ever come across, right? Um, uh, uh, because it's, it's, you know, you're able to create scarcity in the same way that you can with physical merchandise, right? Um, uh, uh, where, you know, there are only a thousand of, uh, you know, these sweatshirts or, or whatever it may be. And uh, to your point, I think that's exactly how, um, you know, I, I would be at least very, very excited to see artists use these content unlock tools, right? What if you uh, could only listen to a given album if you're currently holding that album's NFT. Um, and then, you know, if there are like, if there's a supply of those NFTs minted that are tradable, um, you know, there's some really neat kind of things that can emerge over time, right? Like, you know, maybe once I finish listening to the album for like a month or two, I can, uh, uh, you know, give it to my friend or or sell it in some market or, or something else, right? Um, I think that, kind of being able to uh, uh, tie the ability to play back a piece of content to like the holding of an NFT or, or uh, uh, something to that effect would be really, really neat. Um, and and uh, that's exactly kind of uh, the, the direction we see things going there. So, um, you know, I, I think the kind of, um, you know, extremely limited supply, like fine art uh, approach to um, NFTs while like, super cool to to see i think isn't as as great a fit necessarily for for music um because i I think the way that uh artists uh, you know in in music at least achieve uh uh, notoriety and and kind of you know the level of fandom that lets them source uh uh, the super fans that are willing to financially engage with these things requires scale right like um you know if if you have uh uh, say one or two or three percent of your fan base uh, wanting to be those super highly engaged uh, uh, people that are willing to like you know go to any length to to uh, support you as the artist, um, you need a large amount of you know fans at the at the top of funnel to get there. Um, and I, I think you know I I'll, I'll kind of finish off um, my point with this. Um, I think one of the the biggest frustrations that artists have that we hear time and time again is that streaming today treats all listeners identically um and it it doesn't create even the opportunity or the ability to segment audience in these ways right like you can't uh uh, say um through spotify uh i want you know only some subset of my fans to be able to hear this like if they either are paying me more or even uh you know what if they just you know listen to my content a lot more right like you could you can quantify like who are the people who listen to you the most what if you could reward those people for that behavior um through additional benefits so all of those kind of possibilities are are what we're most excited about uh with respect to that direct engagement model yeah and i guess um Discovery is probably purer um, in an environment like Audius versus Spotify because Spotify will always bias the content that it owns itself, right? Because it then doesn't have to pay royalties, um, which is why they're, of course, acquiring things like the Joe Rogan show and, um, and they'll heavily bias algorithms towards that because it costs them less, you know, less money is deducted from that, that monthly subscription. Um, and I really like the idea that you were talking around the, the ability to turn music as NFTs into 
some kind of social currency because of course music is like the ultimate social currency you know sharing music with people playing music to the people um is is what it's all about so to be able to extend that that principle that behavior in a digital context i think is really exciting um so then uh, it'd be interesting to just understand how you brought audius to market because obviously uh, our accelerator like every time we're recruiting for a program we'll get at least one music slash audio startup um, and the problem is always how do you create enough supply um that you kind of meet a basic level of demand that you, you kind of get that flywheel going um and you know i hear stories that the 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 music industry is getting pretty savvy to understanding that there is a commercial opportunity here i know some of the bigger artists are asking for pre prepayment upfront payment to create audio nft content um so how do you as a marketplace how did did you solve for this supply demand dilemma um and then you know do you do you serve the kind of the long tail or the fat tail of of supply great great questions um and uh you know I'll, I'll caveat what i share by saying that uh you know we we got started in in uh kind of early to mid 2018 uh so i'm i'm sure the ground is is constantly shifting here but uh uh you know the the project got started in early 2018, the first version of the product to be publicly available. And there was a private beta where we we worked out a lot of bugs and, and stuff before this was uh, in September of 2019. Um, so for the first year of Audius's existence, um, you know, growth was like kind of in these little fits and, and starts, right? So, um, uh, the network, you know, within a week or so reached like 30,000 uh, uh, monthly users. So like that was a week of launching, um, even calling them monthly users is a misnomer when the product's only a week old, but that's always kind of, you know, how we, uh, how we had, had, had approached and, and thought about things internally. Um, and then, yeah, we, we kind of grow in these little fits and, and starts. Um, but I, I think your, your point there is very spot on that, um, you know, there was some tipping point. I, I can't point to the exact number or the exact amount, but where um, we had aggregated a sufficient amount of content that um, at least in dance music, if a user showed up on Audius, um, they would find a lot of great stuff to listen to that they would enjoy, um, even if, if it wasn't necessarily from artists they had heard about. Um, you know, the supply was sufficient and kind of the, the way that we determined, you know, what was trending and, and what could get surfaced to the top uh, in an algorithmic and programmatic way, uh, uh, you know, was, was sufficient efficient to kind of, um, you know, get that flywheel to actually sustain and, and start spinning. So um, a year after uh, uh, we launched uh, in, in like October of uh, uh, 2020, Audius saw about 250,000 monthly users, if, if I recall correctly. Um, and today we see over 5 million. Um, even in, in January of, of 2021, uh, we crossed a million um, and eight months later, here in August of, of 2021, as we're recording today, uh, we're, we've you know more than 5x since then. So um, it's not like we did anything different. Uh, uh, it was just that first year 
you, you know, we just kind of like grinded and tried everything uh, uh, we possibly could to get people on board. And ultimately, there was no, you know, special marketing campaign or special thing that we did that like, you know, pushed us over that um, that tipping point. It was just like after enough time grinding, we we hit it. Um, what I will say though is is I think the ground, you know, and as I alluded to it or earlier when when beginning this answer, like. The ground is changing here, right? Um, I think this kind of, you know, broader like creator economy and crypto space is is far, far, far more crowded um, today than it was when we got going, um, and we benefited from, you know, we were like the the uh, sort of the only only shop in in town for um, musicians for a long time. Now that we're at the, you know, audience is at the scale that it is, um, uh, you know there was kind of this self-reinforcing aspect to growth, right? Um, but I, I do think, you know, the it, it would be much, much harder today to bootstrap something like Audius amidst all the noise uh, than it was uh, uh, for us back then. But we also, uh, you know, building in winter, I always tell people is like a whole lot better than uh, times like now are, are when you kind of realize and, and capitalize on all the hard work that you did in winter. But like the real you know, building and aggregation of audience has to happen when things are less noisy, right? Like things are just so uh, oversaturated uh, uh, today in, in crypto that like, it's just, you know, it's just very hard to get like, you know, rise above all that, uh, all that nonsense. Um, you know, so you're kind of like, problem number one is to just survive long enough to, to you know, do what we did, right? To grind and, and get enough supply that eventually the demand starts to, uh, you know, starts to uh, uh, retain well because there's enough supply when they show up. Yeah, it's that flywheel, right? And um, But I mean, you, you did say that you you kind of reached enough of a, enough of a level of supply within the category of dance. Was that deliberate or was that just the bias that that was what you were both interested in? Oh man, I wish I could say it was deliberate, uh, but no, that was just, you know, what we knew. We were like, all right, let's, uh, there were like all these artists that, uh, uh, you know, Forrest and I had followed on SoundCloud forever who we saw their accounts go dormant because they stopped caring to post or, or, uh, uh, you know, whatever. Um, that was who we kind of reached out to first. Right. And we're like, Hey, uh, you know, try this, try this thing. SoundCloud kind of sucks now. Um, you know, we think this is better. So give it a try. Right. Just like, you know, try sticking something here, uh, uh, and you have nothing to lose. Right. And, uh, that was, you know, uh, enough, at least that people were like, Oh yeah, I'll play with this. Right. Um, and, or, or, you know, not, a, not a lot of people, but enough people that, uh, we got feedback and, and whatnot, but, um, no, it was not intentional. However, uh, looking back, I do think um, you know critical mass and those tipping points are kind of niche specific, um, and uh, uh, staying focused on like you know the the you know becoming the big fish in the small pond early on is is far easier than uh, being becoming a big fish in an already massive like ocean, right? Um, you know, one of the first uh, uh, genres of, of music uh, that Audius really broke out in was called Jersey Club. It's this like very small niche of of dance music uh, that was centered around like central and northern New Jersey. Uh, there was like a specific sound that they all produced with. Um, 
And uh, for whatever reason, a few of their, their, uh, the kind of prominent artists in that community, when uh, Audius launched, were like, oh, this is super cool. I'm going to try like sticking some stuff up here. And then, uh, you know, we noticed that happen and we were like, oh, we should make a little genre category for them, right? So there's now a category you can tag a, a track in Audius as being Jersey Club. And then their community just went wild. They were like, oh my God, no one's ever noticed us, right? Like SoundCloud never added this genre and we've been asking them forever and ever um and within like a month of us launching we had kind of like saturated uh uh, that jersey club music scene and what was great about that was that you know when someone who is a jersey club fan came to audius all of their favorite artists were already there and there was all this great content from them um already already there right so um i I think that was a really interesting um uh kind of you know learning that that emerged and that happened Um, you know, and, and it was just organic. Uh, and it, I mean, we didn't even realize at the time, you know, how much that, you know, model could be templatized to, uh, to, to kind of, you know, almost like dominate the smallest of niches and then roll your way up to like, eventually, you know, where we're at today, like all of, all of dance, you know, has, has heard of us, is aware of us. Um, most of them use us, but, uh, you know, that's the playbook that we'd roll out in, in other genres too, right. Is, is start with like, hyper serving uh these small targeted communities that other people are ignoring um and then roll your way up to uh you know like thinking about bass music or like just even dance music as like the super super top umbrella category we now kind of you know have all of the major niches on audio so it's like okay we can you know we can just sort of like go after this broader category now i mean i I think that's a priceless lesson um, you've probably saved a lot of founders from having to to learn the hard way. I hope um, so. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then so here we are, right? You, you've just announced this TikTok partnership. I think that's a, a watershed moment, not just for you, um, not just for audio and music in a blockchain web three sense, but kind of you know much wider than that. Can you tell us about the partnership? Why it's exciting and 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 what what you're hoping the kind of out, outcome of that collaboration is totally yeah so uh uh so so um tiktok recently launched this uh sound kit product that basically uh, allows for uh groups that they they work with to push audio content directly into uh, uh tiktok so you'd be surprised actually like a lot of artists that uh, we've talked to about like you know how do you get your music into tiktok we've literally heard from people that they'll like hold their phone up to the like speakers on their laptop and like play back their own track to it because like you know tiktok's a mobile app right like getting an audio file like a an mp3 file or something into that is like pretty difficult right like it's not you can't really share files on on mobile with an app uh, uh so people just didn't really know how um so what's cool about this um this integration is uh, Audius is is as far as we're aware the first streaming service to uh, to integrate to allow within Audius you can click a share to TikTok button and it, it shares in there. Uh, there are there are a few like production tools and stuff like that that also let you do this. So we're we're by no means the first to to be launching this, but um, I think what's really neat about it was you know it. it 
kind of creates this opportunity for our artists who who already have you know large catalogs of um of of content on audius to be able to share that catalog out and and into their uh fandom on on tiktok so you know what we always uh, you know getting back to to what i mentioned earlier like we do you know, really want Audius or our community wants Audius to uh, to be this kind of uh, clearinghouse for artist fan relationships, and uh, that's ultimately you know what this partnership helps to to serve. So I, I think from you know the uh, the integration, I guess I would call it, it's it's uh, uh, really more like a programmatic integration than a partnership per se. But uh, we're we're very excited about it nonetheless. Very cool. Well, look, it's been fascinating talking to you, Renil, um, and you know, great to hear a project that you know came through 2018, where everyone kind of dismisses it all as this really inefficient allocation of capital. To 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 see um, a network, a project at your scale, really beginning to transform uh, an entire industry. So. Congratulations on on surviving, as you say, grinding, and and now um, everything that you're achieving. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, happy to be here. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web three.